Good evening and welcome back to Editing Aloud and it is definitely election season and this week seems to be the week for trundling out election elders with the ANC um, bringing Tabo Mbeki back on the campaign trail for the first time in many years and the DA bringing Tony Leon back on the campaign trail also for the first time in, in quite a while. Genevieve Quintel, why is Mbeki coming back and why does the ANC need him? Well, yesterday, um, Becky arrived at the ANC Pavilion at the Randy Easter Show, where they have a stall and they have their history of the ANC. And when he was asked that exact question, why you haven't come out to campaign for how many years, he said that he couldn't bring himself to do it for the last few years. He couldn't bring himself to tell people to vote for the ANC. And now he's saying he feels he can come tell people to vote for the ANC. He's... Um, he says he couldn't do it before because he knew of the wrong things that were happening in the ANC. And his reason now for coming out is looking at the ANC's manifesto, he believes the ANC has been quite strong in admitting that it veered off course, admitting that it made mistakes which led to corruption and, as he said, lawlessness. And that by doing that, they are holding themselves accountable to citizens of South Africa. And for that reason, he feels he can now come out and say vote ANC and he actually he signed a pledge they have a wall at um, the pavilion at the Rand Easter show pledging to vote for the ANC and he signed the wall before that every time you asked him same with the local government elections are you going to vote ANC he would say my vote's a secret. Sikonati is this good for the ANC I mean could this tip the vote in their favor or is this a friend which they might not even want to have? Frankly, I don't know if uh, Tabombege endorsing the ANC will convince anyone else to vote for the ANC, but it's definitely good for the, for, for the campaign, for the public relations, to say we've got this statesman who really is the exact opposite of Jacob Zuma. And uh, this is great. We've got endorsement from a former president, the statesman Tabombege. Will that translate to votes? I don't know. Uh, it's a good public relations campaign. And Lukanyo? I mean, mm. is, this, is, this, is this a plus for the ANC? I mean, what does it signify? I mean, the ANC, they, they does seem to have a strange relationship with the Solombeki era, you know? Like, the, the, if you look at the Tabombeki era, probably the period where the ANC was probably the most successful in, in governing, you know? The economy was growing. Actually, for the last time, we were creating jobs. But then it also is supposedly linked with this kind of, like, neoliberal agenda. So there seems to be this big... <laughs> people, don't, they're not really sure what to make of him or, 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 how, or how to create his legacy. I mean, just looking at I'm not even talking about the other stuff, the, the best stuff about the AIDS and Zimbabwe, but in terms of just in the economy and stuff, it, it seems like, yeah, they, they don't really know how to deal with, with that legacy. And, and so I'm not sure what his future or what his influence is or what kind of supporters of the ANCs actually see him in a positive light or in a negative light. And well, the, those favoring a growth agenda, I mean, if the posters all say, uh, let's, let, let's go for growth, but mm. I mean, does this in any way convince those who want the growth agenda. I mean, I suppose if, if you think we're going back to that sort of like, I mean, whatever you thought about Mbeki, you know, you, you, the one thing, you I mean, he was a constitutionalist, you know, he believed in the rule of law, he believed in building the, 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 the institutions and, and all the stuff that was broken under Zuma. So if you think we're going back in that sense, and then obviously for a certain voter, a certain ANC supporter, that's a good thing. But then there are others, like I said, like who we might want to call the ultra-left, or whatever you want to call them, who would, who would sort of associate Mbeki with some kind of like 
giving up of sovereignty to the IMF or whatever it is, or to the Washington agenda. I remember all those big times of the 90s. <laughs> you know? so, for, so for those people who may be making coming up might not be a, a good thing. They might see it as actually a revolution, almost taking a back step, so to speak, even though like in, in the last 10 years, it's harder to say it's been going on the right track. <laughs> Genevieve, good or bad? Does it, does it enhance the ANC's chances, detract from them? I'm not sure. Um, uh, in the Business Day, actually, on page three, the story about him endorsing the ANC, um, Claudie Malevich wrote that that the ANC, the last time it actually grew its vote in Gauteng was in 2004 under Mbeki. Gauteng, again, is a big um, focal point for the ANC and the DA. The DA hoping to bring the ANC below 50%. Is it connected to that? And I think those in Gauteng are going to be more inclined to vote for the ANC if someone like Mbeki comes out? I don't know. I, I don't know if What's it will have such What's it looking like? A, I mean, what are the chances that the, so that the ANC goes below 50? Because that's like a big one There's almost watch. a 50-50 chance, I think. So yeah. internal DA polling about a week ago was showing that the ANC had actually fallen below the 47% mark, where about three weeks ago the internal polling showed that the ANC was polling between 47% and 50% in Gauteng. The ANC is still very confident that it is getting its 50%. Um, I spoke to David Makura yesterday about it, and he was like, we're on track, we're going to retain Gauteng without a coalition. They, they fostered. But they thought the same thing, I guess, in 2016 with the local government elections, that they were going to retain Johannesburg and Swane. And we had to go to coalitions, and they lost those. But they're quite confident that they're going to be able to hold on to yeah, Carter. You, you don't consider defeat before the fight. Definitely, you don't consider defeat before the fight. But definitely, Tabumbegi is a plus. Uh, I, I repeat again, mm -hmm. in terms of the public relations campaign of the ANC, uh, he he is the only person who actually got a two-thirds majority for the African yeah. National Congress. Let's not forget that he consistently grew the economy 5% uh, uh, until uh, 2007 when, 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 when the global crisis hit. So he, he, it's a big plus. Whether or not he will indeed uh, make the undecided uh, vote for the ANC or, or, or make up their minds is, is a different story altogether. What the ANC has done very well, particularly by pulling out Mbeki and, and, and snubbing Jacob Zuma, is, is, is show exactly where we are going. Like, we are done with that, uh, mm -hmm. and of course, I, I respectfully disagree with Tabum Begi when he says the ANC is taking accountability nonsense. The fact, though, is they have thrown a line. We're done with Jacob Zuma, and with that era, we're moving towards uh, the constitution, constitutionalism and the rule of law. That is the big plus. That I mean, for Marcus Lucanio, if if that is what is the signal is, then that could be quite important for Marcus. Uh, no, definitely, but then if it is. I mean, I mean, this is the ANC we're talking about. You know, like Sigonati, <laughs> like will tell you more about this tomorrow. You're gonna have like Ace Mahashula probably saying the, the direct opposites. Just to remind you, the kind of forces that are in conflict within the ANC, like that, it's hard to know who's actually is talking today for the ANC on any one issue. On I can assure you, Mahashule is going to stand up tomorrow and respond to Mbegi on the business day if lead. Not yeah. uh, if not today, <laughs> yeah. about nationalizing the, the Reserve Bank. Le He's going to stand up and say, Tabo Mbegi is talking nonsense. The position of the African National Congress is that we're nationalizing the Reserve Bank. Mm. Let's, let's actually get on to that one, Genevieve. I mean, why? This feels like the debate that will never die. I mean, why does Mbeki suddenly weigh in on nationalizing? on the nationalization of the Reserve Bank issue. Well, Hilary, um, 
we had a briefing with him at the AIDS Pavilion, and I actually asked him and about asked it. Him. That's why I went. And I asked him Fair about enough. it, because so he's saying he's endorsing the ANC. And then I asked, on policy issues, last year, a paper was leaked from the Tabo Mbeki Foundation, where they Tabo Mbeki was against the position the ANC had taken on land expropriation without compensation, saying it get, went against the ANC's 106 history of non-racialism. So I asked him, you know, so if that's how he felt about the land policy, and it's very much a policy that was more in line with the pro-Zuma camp at the time of Nazareth, and the same with the nationalization of the Saab, very much more that line um, of the faction. So I asked him, so what, what are your thoughts on it? And his first response, his first line was, I need someone to come explain to me why they want to nationalize the Reserve Bank. And as the story says, because he basically thinks it's pointless. You're going to nationalize it, just say, I've nationalized it, and then what? Because already government is the one that, according to him, that is um, setting tar the target according inflation. According to the Constitution. According, according to the Constitution, to sorry. According to the Constitution, yes, and the mandate of the, of the SOB. Changing the mandate and changing the ownership are two different things. And I don't think people like Ace Magashule and that faction within the ANC actually understand that. I don't think they really, I think Jen, someone has told Jen. them. Certainly not for lack of trying by the Saab. <laughs> the Reserve Bank, which has been trying for ages to, to, to say that the one has nothing to do with we, the other. But Sikonati, is we, this not an attack? I mean, the nationalization is an attack on the mandate, even though they. Yes, the uh, and, and the, the, of course, the attack on the mandate of the Reserve Bank is headed by none other than Busisuwe Mkwebane. Uh, the, the current public protector, public protector who went ahead and instructed parliament to change the constitution actually the first public protector to, to contradict the constitution this as as as, as Genevieve says the, these people in the ANC the Jacob Zuma faction of the ANC have no clue what on earth they are talking about when they are asking for the nationalization of the reserve bank today we have in the financial mail uh, our editorial, Sim Chabalala of, the, of, of Standard, Standard Bank, Bank yes. says also that would be the worst possible disaster we can visit upon ourselves if we nationalized the Reserve Bank and interfered with its mandate. Lisicha Khanyako last week uh, made a similar speech hinting strongly that uh, the Reserve Bank will stand up and go to the Constitutional Court and do everything that it can uh, to, to defend its mandate and the Constitution. Uh, you, so we've carried for two weeks now. Last week I wrote a column in the Financial Mail about that. It's, they have not a clue. Here are the facts. Private shareholders in the Reserve Bank own 2 million shares in total. They get a dividend that is capped by law at 10 cents per share for a total 200,000 rands a year in dividends. They, there's nothing else they do. They, otherwise, they go attend uh, the AGM and have lunch. And the, the president, the, the governor, the president appoints the governor and uh, all the governors, and they go have lunch, and the um, monetary policy committee decides on the interest rates. What do shareholders do? Nothing. Right. Absolutely nothing. Well, and I that should, is the I point. I suppose they ensure good governance and that the audit committee does its work and all of that, the, which the, is the, kind the of The good valuable. governance is assured and guaranteed in the Constitution. Private shareholders only benefit to the extent of 10 cents a share per a dividend a year. And you can have no more than 10,000 shares. So you've got absolutely no reason to own Reserve Bank shares. You've got no reason to even want to change. If you want to change the mandate, you go, as Busiswam Kabane said, you go change the constitution. And to achieve what again? And they Speaking don't influence of, the, they don't, sorry, they don't influence the 
the board of the Reserve Bank because that's appointed by government as well as the governor. Largely, so government already yeah. has, mm. if you wanted to put someone, if you felt that the Reserve Bank governor is not um, in line with your thinking, well... But quickly, Genevieve, speaking of the public protector, mm. another one which absolutely <coughs> never dies is the public protector is back again persecuting, pursuing Pravin Gordon about the so-called rogue unit. I mean, very briefly, what, wh where does that come from and, and what has Pravin Gordon said? So a complaint was lodged in 2016 at the public protector's office. Um, at that time, Tuli Maranselo was off in office. And when Busasio Mkubane came in, she picked up this complaint that was lodged. But a second complaint was lodged, I must say, in this time by Floyd Shivambu. The first, the, the first complaint, yes, the first complaint was lodged by an anonymous SARS employee. So now, yesterday, so we've been having, he's been subpoenaed twice. First, so there are two issues. He was subpoenaed first to come answer questions about the early retirement that was paid out to Ivan Pele. Those, that was the charges that he was facing a fraud, and then the NPA dropped the charges. So that matter sort of other way. And then, the sec and then he goes second subpoena to come answer questions about the so-called rogue unit. So now yesterday, um, the public protector puts out a statement saying that she has granted um, the an minister extension. an extension to respond to her questions until May 3rd. But then there's a, there's a line in her statement which says she's received allegations that after she had subpoenaed implicated persons, a meeting was held at SARS and where all implicated people apparently came together at this meeting and discussed it and then came, came together and gave the same answers to her and that this was almost like collusion. So now Pravin Gordon's lawyers have written to her saying, well, give us proof of this collusion. And that's not the reason we didn't ask for an extension because we needed information from SARS. So this one is going to run and run. Yes, and, and he's got till May 3rd, which is how many days before an election? Oh, no seems to come up at key moments. So why now does the Praveen Gordon thing come up um, by clearly factions within or in opposition to the ANC? Is that related? There is clearly an election thing, but what sort of election thing is it? Well, my reading of it, and it, it's, it's my personal is that if you look, obviously the, the, the Praveen Gordon being called the public protector has started a while back, um, late last year, I think November was the first time we were subpoenaed. But if you think now in terms of elections, that so the AN, there's been a lot of criticism about the ANC's um, election list, and this list has now been given to the Integrity Commission. And the Integrity Commission, it has already gone through the report. It has apparently given a report to the top six, which still needs to be discussed. But the whole idea was if the Integrity Commission, they call you in and they believe, look, you're facing these allegations and it's quite serious and it's hurting the ANC, you should step down go sort out your issues and instead of going to Parliament. So what stops people then, if you've got, if you're going to tell Nomvula Mokanyane, look, you need to step down, you can't go to Parliament or be a minister because there have been these allegations against the state capture inquiry and corruption, etc. Step aside. Just go to Pravin Gordana and say, you're facing an investigation at the Public Protector's Office. Um, they're looking at your, at your I think it's the ethics, the mm. ethics committee, and that you know, as as a minister, his role in that in the rogue units mm. issue. Step aside. Step aside. Deal with that. Uh, so this and is the trade-off thing. But, yes. But that's, that's that's a, a, a compelling theory. <laughs> However, I think the most important thing is that complaint by Floyd Shivambu was lodged with the public protector the minute 
uh, VBS Mutual Bank collapsed, mm -hmm. with sure. Floyd Shibambu's name appearing no less than five times or, uh, uh, via his brother, young Brian Shivambu, in the collapse of, of, of VBS Mutual Bank, which was stolen and money landed in, 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 in Brian Shivambu's mm -hmm. accounts. Then they went to the police station in, in Sunnyside, Pretoria, to lay a charge that has not still to this day been substantiated against Pravin Koran, and then now a public protector. Mm. So this and may in a way, it well. all goes back to the independence of the central bank, if you like, because it's, this is also another line of attack on, on the financial regulators F fighting, who, who are uh, trying uh, to the prevent EFF malfeasance. The EFF, and in particular Julius Malema and Floyd Shibambu, has have made Pravin Gordon the face of this mm. uh, uh, of this treasury that is anti-transformation. They, they they have then uh, extended that to pick on on people of Indian descent, uh, Ishmael Mamoniat. Everything Shamila that treasury Patoi. does, exactly Shamila Patoi and everything, they are trying to destroy the credibility of of, of people like Pravin Gordon, uh, like Ishmael Mamoniat, like all of the staffers in the treasury because that is where the biggest obstacle to the looting project is. And it's not only the African National Congress that is guilty of looting. Let's just say that. It's not guilty. It's not only the ANC. The EFF has a lot to answer for, and indeed the leadership of the EFF. That's it. The fight back's coming from, from all sides. I think there's different reasons, like Sikonati says, different reasons why the EFF is on province case, and then obviously different reasons why a certain faction in the ANC would be on Pravin mm. Gordon's so case. But, but destroy I mean, credibility I, I mean, and, and evidence, you attack the national treasury and Pravin Gordon is still the face of the national mm. treasury in their eyes. Speaking of which, ESCOM, ESCOM, oh, yes, we can't right. have a program without coming to ESCOM. <laughs> um, and it is in fact a wonder that Pravin, has um, Pravin Gordon has time to, to keep an eye on ESCOM, which he's clearly doing. But Weekend Papers, Lukanyop, um, speculating about Maria Ramos, the recently retired CEO of Absa Bank and indeed a former uh, Director General of the National Treasury, Maria Ramos, as the Chief Restructuring Officer of ESCOM. Now, first of all, is she the right person if you were to have a Chief Restructuring Officer? And second of all, why have a Chief Restructuring Officer at all? Mm. Well, the, the, the first point, I don't really have much of an answer for that one. But, but it's been interesting, some, some, some of the responses, like in terms of the bigger politics, you know, as we were talking about in Becky earlier, a lot of people have sort of gone back and said, oh, look, it's the same old people from the 1996 class project. You know, like, obviously, there are certain people who would rather do certain things with, with the likes of ESCOM, like Sokonat has spoken about them. So they probably don't want those people from 1996 to come back. But that's a different story altogether. I'm not speculating on that, but, but for my indication is that she's not interested, but I don't actually know for that for sure. But I think that's what, from what I've read. But secondly, like, I mean, the, I mean the, the whole CROs thing is actually quite an interesting concept. It's, it's hard, hard to see where this life fits in, in terms of the broader corporate governance structures. I mean, this, so this person is supposed to be like what the ears and eyes of the shareholder, i.e. the government. Right? And it sort of makes you wonder, what is the role of the board and the CEO? What is their relationship to the board and the CEO? And, will, and what are they responsible for? And in terms of the, I mean, I'm assuming the board and the CEO have got certain judiciary duties and certain legal duties and set of legal obligations. So is this person coming above them? So then, then do this responsibility go to that person? <laughs> so, well, that you know, seems to be the question is, that, in, in does the CEO <clears throat> now have to report to the CRO? How does the, the, this work? The, the finance minister uh, spelled it clearly during the budget. 
if you want treasury money, if we bail you out, we will put someone there to look after our interests mm -hmm. as treasury. Now, the board and the and management are, are there at the behest of the public enterprises minister, which is the shareholder. But the guy who's going to bail you out, and this, going, this is going to happen to every organization that wants treasury money. That's what Tito Mboweni said. And that is in line with the municipalities. If a municipality cannot function, if a province cannot function, you have seen two provinces being taken over by the national government. If they cannot function, the government will shoot in someone who will do the job or at least uh, advise and, 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 and guide the, the, the organization's restructuring. That is what is happening here. Whether on, uh, they, they certainly don't come uh, above the board, but they are certainly sitting at that level where they are watching out for the interests of the national treasury while the board and management are working uh, on behalf of the shareholder, which is public enterprises uh, department. But where is the restructuring? I mean, mm. we were promised all of this already in February, and has anything happened? At ESCOM? At ESCOM? Well, uh, this is the government we are talking about. Mm -hmm. So uh, things are really uh, taking their own time. But there can be no major restructuring. I, I mean, uh, it was September last year when we were expecting a plan from the board that would go to the to the public enterprises minister. We've never seen that of the turnaround. What we did see is that the institution will be broken into three. That has not yet happened. It will uh, happen after the election, I guess. But that on its own, as we have said numerous times on this program, breaking has come into three on its own is not going to cut it. You have to cut costs. And, and that is where the chief restructuring officer will come in and say, excuse me, if you want that 23 billion rand, you are going to have to do X, Y, Z. Now, as we've seen over the past weekend and, and the past month indeed, ESCOM takes money from the Treasury, takes money from, uh, from, from other lenders, and straight to go pay other lenders. It, 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 it's got no money whatsoever. The, the chief restriction officer <coughs> will come in and say, excuse me, you can't be taking all this money to pay uh, lenders. Borrowing Peter to pay Paul, yes, as it were. Yes, yeah. not uh, yeah. exactly. So start cutting costs and let's invest in the operations. So how does Pravin Gordon say, sorry, I was looking yeah. at this Bloomberg story, that um, ESCOM is not on the brink of financial collapse and the government has the problem well under control. I'm yet very we're glad giving to hear money. And yet <laughs> yet <laughs> was it not the weekend or last week that they had to give an early bailout, like you were saying? How, did, how does that happen, Lucania? I mean, the, the, the China Development Bank was supposed to give them some money. Mm. And the China Development Bank couldn't get, was it exchange control permission? It was a very peculiar story. No, it's very peculiar. The thing is, like, you know, you remember this, 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 this like Chinese deals, they came out with a bunch of fun affair last year. The, the, the one thing we can say about those deals, there wasn't, there's hardly been any transparency. Has anybody ever seen what the terms or anything about them? So we, we don't actually know. There was, there was that BRICS meeting and mm -hmm. China was going to pull money into ESCOM, Cyril, and everybody refused to actually disclose with the information in them. I suppose that's beside the point. <laughs> so so it's, it's just like the whole China thing is so opaque anyway to start with. So like, so it's hardly a bit of a shock. There's not a single deal uh, alone to ESCOM that's been disclosed in full. Okay, mm. So we, we, we worried about China because of what it has done, Sri Lanka, Zambia, wherever, taking over assets. What Cyril has done, he, he stood before parliament and, and said, we, I can assure South Africa that we did not pledge any ESCOM assets. 
as, as a security for the loan. That is the only thing suppose, that can be disclosed. I suppose that, that that's a good thing if the loan doesn't come, then we don't have to worry about that then. It's really interesting, uh, but then as you say, oh, the restructuring, why it hasn't happened. You know, like other companies, when you go into this trouble, oh, I can't pay my bills, you make drastic measures. What happens to this one? Five billion came from nowhere. So money for ESCOM does grow out, out of trees. Actually, actually, the tree in your house. <laughs> so, so that purple explains why you won't be seeing much restructuring for a while until maybe we have to restructure the whole government. Well, well, the only restructuring you'll ever see there is when the ANC has been voted out of power. You have a government that, does, that can confront COSATU and, and, and Labour and the, the biggest problem with ESCOM, we've said it many times and everybody knows it, you've got 47,000 people doing what? I'm going to move quickly on to another subject because I think we'll be coming back to this one again and again and again. Front page of Mr's Day this week, um, the Black Economic Empowerment Commissioner, whose job I presume it is to implement the broad-based mm. Black Economic Empowerment uh, legislation, coming out and saying, no, well, broad-based is kind of isn't good enough. All these broad-based trusts that were set up, some real icons of the BEE kind of landscape, if you like, like Kahi, so they're not good enough because they're fronting, Lukanya. I mean, mm. what? What is that about? I mean, that was a great story from uh, Carol Payton. I mean, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's really quite confusing, isn't it? First, we, we come 1994, you remember that? Disturbing, Cyril into nail. Matsepe becomes a billionaire, and then we say, oh, no, this is bad, you know, we need to spread it's the pie. Capitalism. Yeah, it's crony capitalism. Yeah, it's crony capitalism, they spread the pie base. a bit. And now, now we've got broad-based empowerment, and then we've got all this trust, and uh, and all nice, like, uh, scholarships for people in villages, like, 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 psychoanalysis, to go to universities, and then suddenly, that, 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 that's not good enough now. Yeah. That, 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 that is a, a form of fronting. You are not going to pick on my village when we have no such thing. Uh, talk about On oh, my township, should I say, like, where, like... <laughs> Yeah, you've got some editor of Business Day who came from a township via those scholarships. <laughs> the, the point is, I mean, how is it that, 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 that uh, this is another sort of front of struggle now uh, about, about BEE and the BEE commissioner who's fairly newly appointed 2017, going after sort of quite a lot of established BEE players. And I mean, where does that fit into the politics of the day? Does it fit in or is, is Ms. Zodwa and Tuli just doing her own thing there? I don't know. Um, the, the BE issue was a top issue on the DA's elec election campaign. Um, they've been saying that um, it needs to be overhauled and that only the elites are benefiting from it, pretty much on the same line. Look, the ANC has said before, and I remember a few years ago, Gweda Mantash giving a talk saying, yes, some things do need to change within the, the um, BE, and I think that's when they came to the triple BE status. So I don't know how big it is of an election issue. Like I said, I know the DA has used it as a big election issue. I haven't heard the ANC really talking about BE during this election campaign. I certainly wouldn't uh, uh, put too much uh, to it until mm -hmm. the commissioner gives us a lot more information about she's complaining about. It's, it's a new person coming in trying to make an impact. Uh, if there's anything wrong with this broad-based economic trust, the Royal Bafugang Nation, for example, is a nation of 300,000 people that is established. Is, it's, it's, it's worth about 100 billion rand. So what's new now? Yes. So mm -hmm. what's, what, uh, is she telling us that all along they've been fronting? Well, never a dull moment. Uh, and that's all we have time for. Please join us again next week for another edition of Editing Aloud.